Are you ready for the word this morning? Oh, this is our third and final week of the series that we started called Unlocking the Power of God in Our Lives. And you know, God did not intend for us to walk around feeling defeated, being powerless against the enemy, being like a walking target for him to do whatever he wants to do, whatever trouble he wants to stir up in our lives. You know, even sometimes we maybe give the devil a little bit too much credit because the Bible says in this world, we're going to have trouble. We're going to have tribulation. And you want to say, thanks a lot. But no, it's okay because the biggest but in the Bible is Jesus has overcome the world and he's given us everything that we need. But I'm one of those people that is never satisfied with status quo, mediocre, and just good enough. Anybody else in here like that? Because there is always, always more when it comes to the with God. He has so much more. And I love what we sang this morning. We want more of you. We want more of you. But I, I do hear him saying, you're going to have as much of me as you want. So I'm wanting you to, st- I, okay, we're going to stir a pot. Okay, everybody start stirring right now. Round and round. It's a great big cauldron. And the word of God says that we can stir ourselves up to stir up the love of God, to stir up desire, stir up that fire that we talked about this morning already because we can stir up what's already inside and open our hearts to receive so much more. So week one, I called it a case for grace, and we wanted to learn about our position in Christ because when we know what he's done for us, even though we don't deserve it, we have become or we have been made worthy. He qualified us. It positions us to be able to receive from him. We want this power to be unlocked in our lives. Week two, we talked about the deepest root. We were trying to to get some of the obstacles removed again so that we can unlock this power. And the truth is the power is already in you. We we sing that song that says uh, um, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in Do we believe it? Are we willing to unlock it? Unleash the resurrection power that already lives in us. So we wanted to root out some of those things that um, the devil wants to, to cause us to be more concerned about ourselves and self-focused and sin-focused instead of being Jesus-focused and realizing that he's already qualified us to receive the power, the unleashing of the power of God. So today I'm calling it Holy Spirit, Promise and Power, and you do have a worksheet on your tables, and don't be um, intimidated by the length of it. We're going to go fairly quickly through some of this. But I truly believe that I would be remiss if we did not talk about the Holy Spirit. When we're talking about power of God in our lives, we have to talk about the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is a game changer. We do not even have the ability to have salvation and experience new life in Christ without the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk about him. It's time to rise up and receive better than good enough and say, God, I'm willing to receive everything that you have for me. Can you just raise your hand and say, today, Lord, I'm willing to receive receive 
everything you have for me because I know you're a good God and you want only good for me. So I trust you to do that work in me today. Amen. Amen. So there is more. There's always more. So we're going to begin with Acts 1, 4, 5, and 8. And we know about Acts, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, as we're soon to see. But in context, Jesus has died. He rose again. And his disciples begin uh, to experience appearances of Jesus. There was a period of 40 days after he was raised from the dead that he appeared to many people and different people groups. So it's kind of cool. He's just kind of slipping in, has a word, and then he's gone until he ascends into heaven. But he takes this time to teach us some very very important things. And here's one of the things that he said to his disciples that we find in Acts 1, verses 4, 5, and 8. And being assembled together with them, he's talking to his disciples, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But you shall receive power. Everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And what I like about that last part is they're in Jerusalem. So draw a small circle. And then the next outlying area was Samaria. Whoop, Judea and Samaria. And then the bigger picture was to the ends of the earth. So start right where we are being witnesses. Start in your home. Start in your marriage. Start in your neighborhood. Start in your Judea and Samaria, whatever that next outreach is for you. And then we want to have a worldview to reach to the ends of the earth with what Jesus has done and redeemed for us. Let's go to worksheet truth number one. Jesus commanded the disciples to stay in Jerusalem to wait for, he called, the promise of the Father. Big blank there for you. To what? Receive power. Promise of the Father to receive power. So Jesus called the Holy Spirit something that the Father promised to, to send. And God doesn't lie, so we know that he would keep his promise, but he was very specific that the disciples were to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to be given. And then he promised them, you're going to receive power to be witnesses for me and of me. Let's talk about that word power, worksheet truth number two. The Greek word there for power is dunamis which literally is the base word, root word of dynamite, okay? But it literally means, in the Greek, ability, efficiency, and might. 
ability, efficiency, and might. How many of you think that maybe you could use a little bit more ability, efficiency, and might in our walk with God? There's always more. There's always more. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And I will tell you that my desire is to take the spook out of the Holy Spirit. Here we are almost, uh, you know, celebrating, if you can call it that, Halloween, uh, which has definitely become a pagan holiday. So there's no condemnation. You do what you want to do about Halloween. But I want to take the spook out of the Holy Spirit. Some people don't like to call him Holy Ghost. You're going to hear that. But you know what? God is the original spirit, <laughs> okay? And we're not going to let the devil own the supernatural realm. God is greater than any power, any, uh, anything that the devil can try to do, any principalities, but he, and because he has given us the Holy Spirit to empower you to live life in all its fullness and to conquer that other spirit that thinks he wants to dominate in this world. So we're talking about releasing that power, and we have to go back to Acts when the Holy Spirit was first given. Here's what's interesting. The Holy Spirit had always been there. We see his appearance, especially when Jesus was baptized, right? So we get the, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God the Father all together in one place. God the Father spoke. Some heard it as thunder. Those who I believe believed in Jesus heard the the words from the sky, from heaven itself. You know, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. God affirming Jesus the son. So we have God present. We have Jesus the son present. And then a, a dove hovered over Jesus' head in showing that the Holy Spirit was also present. So he's not a new creation. He's always been part of what we call the triune God. But there was something different that God was promising to do with the Holy Spirit. Now that the Holy Spirit we see in the uh, Old Testament many times, and the Spirit was with them, and then he was gone. He kind of came and went because he was with them. But now the Holy Spirit was being given to be in them, and it's a game changer. And we get to be a part of that better covenant, the new covenant, the Holy Spirit with promise and power. So in Acts 10, we see that even Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. So how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Even Jesus would not have operated in power without the Holy Spirit. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, how much more do we all need him? Amen. All right. Let's go to worksheet truth number three. May I introduce you to the Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, he is a person and has a personality and if he's a person, then we can have a relationship with him as part of our relationship with Jesus and with God the Father. And again, one God, three different ways that he expresses his person and personality. And we find many scriptural names of, of the, and descriptions of what the Holy Spirit does. So 
we're going to ask two questions. Who is he and what does he do? And we're going to be able to put some scriptures up. Um, let's go ahead and go to that third slide there with um, the names of the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 15 through 16, you can write that next to the word helper. We find that um, it says that if you love me, keep my commandments, Jesus is speaking, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be able to abide with you forever. All right. The Holy Spirit is a helper. I need all the help I can get. I sit down at my computer and I say, God, what do you want to say? Help. <laughs> I want to know what you want to say through me this morning, and I need your help. And he is there to be your helper in your time of need. That word helper is actually a Greek word called parakletos. And there are several different levels of meanings there. But in the widest sense, a helper is an aider and assistant. And the Holy Spirit was destined to take the place of Christ... Because here Jesus was with them as a helper. And Jesus says, don't worry, even though I'm going away, I'm going to send you another helper. Another helper, one besides another of the same kind. So here's, here's the kicker on that last part. That he may abide with you forever. The Holy Spirit no longer comes and goes. He is with us forever. He is in you forever. When we receive Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. So don't make the mistake that, oh, the Holy Spirit left him because we grieved, or left me because I grieved him. No. Jesus said he'll be with you present forever. That was Old Testament way of dealing with us, but now that Jesus has broken the uh, broken new ground, given us a better covenant, he stays with us forever. Let's go to uh, the name, second name there is Comforter. Again, we're going to go uh, to John 14, this time 26. And it says, but the Comforter. Now, here's our complete list. Interesting to me that all the next several um, uh, descriptions and names of the Holy Spirit actually can be uh, found in the definition of the word comforter. But you know, just the word comforter, I think of at Christmas we say that he is the mighty counselor, right? And so when we need some comforting, where are we going to turn? The one who comforts us, the comforter. He's the one who comforts those with the comfort, and it says, of the Holy Spirit. So he's a counselor, a helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby. And we're going to go through each one of those. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Again, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's going to be, come in my place to represent me and to act on my behalf. Uh, and there's going to be more that we're going to get out of this scripture as well. He will teach you all things, and he will cause you to recall, will remind you of, bring to your remembrance everything that I've told you. You know, the disciples, I can imagine, are pretty upset when Jesus is talking to them because this is before he went to the cross. He says, um, I'm going away. They're going to kill me, and it's going to, it's going to happen. And then I'm going to, I'm not, you're not going to see me anymore. And he was actually talking about when he would actually ascend, right? And you can imagine that is 
disciples needed some comfort. And like, no, 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 don't leave us now. Don't leave us now. And he's saying, no, it'll, it's to your advantage that I go away. We'll get to that scripture too. So he, first of all, ministering to his own disciples, comfort. He says, don't be in distress. I'm going to send the comforter to you. You know, I know when uh, my father-in-law passed away uh, almost two years ago now, that was, a, that was a very thing that we leaned into. God, we need comfort. Our family needs your comfort right now. And it's a way of like wrapping that beautiful prayer <laughs> shawl around you, knowing that he surrounds you with his comfort. Know that there's nothing that can happen in your life that he cannot help and comfort and come to you. You do not have to fear the future. He is the God of all comfort. And we can take comfort in knowing that. Name number three, let's say teacher. Our same scripture says that he will teach you all things, John 14, 26. And he will cause you to recall everything I have told you. Boy, I'm, I'm hanging on to that one. Because I know I can say to my husband, I'm going to go do this. And I walk in the next room and I say, what did I say? What was I supposed to do? It's like, God, help me to recall. <laughs> help my memory here. But especially for those disciples, he says, don't worry. This teacher, this Holy Spirit, this promise of the Father that's coming, he's going to be like a personal tutor to teach and remind you of what I've said. And so I'm going to just say to you, when you open the word of God, and you might feel like, help, I don't even know where to start. I think a, a good place to start is, is to say, Holy Spirit, I acknowledge and believe that you are my teacher today. I'm going to be a student, and I'm going to allow you to teach me. I don't know much, but I'm glad that I have you to teach me. Come teach me all things that you have said and help me to remember everything that you tell me. That's a good place to start. That's leaning into the Holy Spirit and acknowledging that he is our teacher. Let's go to number four, counselor. You know, I believe it's, it's wise to seek good counsel. But again, realizing that he is our counselor, I'm willing to pay good money for counseling when I need it. But hey, we have a counselor. He's the Holy Spirit. To receive wisdom and counsel when you don't know what to do, when you need someone to talk to, go to your counselor. You have a personal one, and he is with you forever. Amen? Let's go to number five. Advocate was one of those descriptions of the Holy Spirit. As a noun, an advocate is a person who represents another person's interests like a lawyer. Advocate is actually kind of a legal term. It's someone who has, is called to your side to bring aid and who will plead your cause before a judge, counsel for the defense, legal assistant, and advocate. Because, you know, in the courts of heaven, Satan wants you to know that he's the prosecuting attorney. And he wants to hurl guilty, guilty accusations to you day and night. But Jesus, being our advocate, is our sure defense lawyer. And it says that he's our legal counsel, our advocate, our defense, and he will plead our case before the Heavenly Father and present his own blood. And the judge pronounces us 
not guilty because Jesus is our advocate. He's our legal counsel. And when the devil thinks that he can get you feeling guilty, like you will never be able to change, you are always failing, you are never qualified to do what God is asking you to do, the Holy Spirit comes and stands with you. Because that's the next one. Well, coming up, the standby. I will just go there. He will stand by you and defend you with his honor and with his goodness. So it's free legal counsel, and we win. <laughs> We've already won. Number six is strengthener, Ephesians 3.16. Uh, there's a scripture that says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power. Not just make you stronger, but powerful through his spirit in your inner being, in your inner being. Sometimes we feel, I can't take another minute of this. I don't know how I'm going to handle this. What if this happens? I think I'm just going to fall apart. I'm having a meltdown. Stop. Stop. You're allowing your inner being to be attacked and broken down. And go to Ephesians. Go to this scripture and say, I Pray and I receive that out of your glorious riches, you strengthen me with power through the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me. Is that a better way to face trials? Is that a better way to face emotional things that are, are starting to tear us apart? He is your strengthener. He will give you, he will not only make you strong, he will give you his strength with his strength. Amen? That's a good deal. Number seven is our standby. Another picture of legal counsel who he will stand up for you. He will stand by you and he will never leave you. He doesn't accuse you. He is your protector and he will stand by you against the accusations of the enemy. Let's go to number eight. Intercessor. This is really a cool thing that the Holy Spirit does. Did you realize that the Holy Spirit's praying for you all the time? He's interceding on your behalf. And we find that in Romans 8, 26. In the Passion Translation, it says, The Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty or weakness to empower us in our weakness. Remember what Paul said? He says, When I'm weak, then I am strong. In the Lord, in the power of his might is where that strength comes from. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or we don't even know the best things to ask for. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us. Where's the Holy Spirit? In us. And that allows the Holy Spirit to rise up within us to super intercede. Okay, God's not uh, content with just a little bit. He's always over the top. He is always super abundant. And here he is not just interceding for you. He is super interceding for you. On our behalf, pleading with God with emotional sighs too deep for words. I can identify with the last part of that. I wasn't going to share this. But years ago, I went to India on a missions trip. And I spent one whole day weeping. Now, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a ball baby. I admit that. I'm a teardrop mama. But I was weeping. And people were saying, are you okay? Are you okay? My whole team. And finally, I, I could hardly talk. It was just like, oh. 
It was more of a sighing. It was more uh, of a weeping. And somebody spoke a word because I don't know if they knew what to do with me. Because I said, no, I'm okay. But there's just something that was so deep coming out of me. And they, they just, someone recognized, and I believe too, that it was the Holy Spirit just revealing his heart for these lost people. And he was weeping over them, wooing them and drawing them. And I could cry right now. It was the, the deepest uh, prayer was just in the weeping and with emotional sighs and groanings that I could not even identify. But it says here the Holy Spirit is doing that over you. And that's how much he loves you and how much he wants to see you succeed and how much he wants to empower you. So to super intercede on our behalf, the Holy Spirit is praying for you and praying for me. Romans 8.27 says, And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints. There it is again. For the saints according to the will of God. You know, if we're praying according to the will of God, then we can trust that it's going to come to pass. And God provided a way for the Holy Spirit to intercede for us. Finally, the last one, number nine, is called the spirit of truth. And again, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He hasn't quite gotten to the cross. And he takes the time to explain about the Holy Spirit. That's how important it was. What would you choose to talk to loved ones if you knew it was one of the last times you were going to see them before you died? I think Jesus placed a high priority and importance on knowing these things about the Holy Spirit that had not yet come, but he was telling them what was to, to come. John 16, 13 through 15, he says, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. We need that kind of guidance, do we not? We want to make sure that we are hearing the spirit of truth and trusting him to guide us into all truth because the Holy Spirit will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. He is the spirit of truth. There is truth and then there is something that's false and the world wants you to believe anything that you believe is truth and it's okay it's truth to you then okay then you can have your own truth there's one truth and that comes from the spirit of truth amen john 14 17 says the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him nor does it know him the world says seeing is believing if i can't understand it if i can't see it if i can't touch it feel it smell it taste it whatever it can't be true i won't believe it believers say believing is seeing that's called faith. With the eye of my faith, when I exercise my faith, I'm going to call those things that be not just as though they were. Calling out of the unseen realm into the seen until my physical eyes see what my spiritual eyes have already seen. That's faith. John 14, 17 goes on to say, but you know him, speaking to his disciples, for he remains with you continually and will be in you. Game changer game changer for every believer that the Holy Spirit is in us. Worksheet truth number four. Like Jesus, we are equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit to do anything and everything the Father asks of us. 
We are equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit. I am not powerful without the Holy Spirit to do anything and everything the Father asks of us. And I will say, Jesus said, you'll do even greater things than I'm doing by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we could camp right there for a long time. So here's the thing. God would never ask of you something that you were not already equipped to do. So you know what you can't say to him? You can't whine and say, I can't. You might be saying, I don't want to. <laughs> what you want to say is, God, in the natural, I could never do this. But with you, I can do all things. You asked it of me, and I believe I am equipped. I'm not going to say I can't. I'm going to say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All right, if you can agree with that, say amen. I think we need to wake up here. All right, I found this statement astounding, though, when we look at John 16, 7. Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Again, I can't imagine the disciples saying, don't go, don't go, don't go. And he says, no, 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 you don't understand. It's to your advantage. The Holy Spirit is going to be with you always. In the physical, Jesus could only be with them as a physical person. But now the Holy Spirit comes, and he's with us always. So the advantage is that the Holy Spirit now comes to all believers. And now the Holy Spirit not only dwells with us, but he dwells in us. And he dwells forever. Worksheet truth number five. There is one Holy Spirit, but different works of the Spirit. The first one is the new birth. You cannot get saved without the work of the Holy Spirit. We find that in John 3, 5. Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of the water, which is a physical birth, okay, if you birthed children, you know there's lots of wet involved, right? So he's saying, unless one is born of the water in a physical birth, and the Spirit, which is a spiritual birth, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You cannot get saved without the work of the Holy Spirit. There is no born-again salvation experience without the Holy Spirit. But see, when Adam and Eve sinned, their spirit died. The spirit that was alive to God suddenly became dark, like the light was turned off. And now they're in a fallen, sinful state where the light and life of God used to reside. And the deceiver deceived them into believing that they would be more like God if they would know the difference between good and evil. And they ate from that tree that God forbid them to eat. The crazy thing is, the deception is they were already like God. And so the devil, and I say this often, is always trying to get you to do something, to get something that you've already got. But that's where it all started in the garden. So our born-again experience means that God relights, comes in with life and light back into that place that once died way back in the garden. And now he lives in our innermost being, in your spirit, which I believe is the real you, the part of you that never dies, the part of you that gets saved, the part of you that's walled of all Holy Spirit, the part of you where that fire burns hot and bright, the, and you desire everything that God desires. 
That's a part of who we are. And that's the new born-again salvation experience. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and in the Amplified it defines that, grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature, new creature, creature, wow. <laughs> That's creation and creature. He is a new creature, reborn and renewed by what? The Holy Spirit. Where the old things, the previous moral and spiritual conditions pass away, behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings new life. Isn't that awesome? That's salvation. That's newness of life. Always the work of the Holy Spirit. But there is another work of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to go there. Matthew 3.11. John the Baptist is prophesying about Jesus. And he said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire, fire. <laughs> Again, we're finding fire. And Jesus was that one who was to baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. And if we could go back to our original scripture in Acts 1, this is where the Holy Spirit was given. And where Jesus said, where it said, and being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. He said, which you have heard from me, because he even quotes John here. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be witnesses. So there is only one Holy Spirit. You have that Holy Spirit when you get saved. He resides in you. You get to glean from all those wonderful things that he does. He's our counselor. He's our standby. He's our advocate. He intercedes for us. That's for all believers. That's so amazing that he does that for each each one of us, but let's go to worksheet truth number six, the book of Acts. Oops. <laughs> Can I look at your paper? Goodness, I even double checked this. All right. Oh, good notes, Cindy. Good job. All right. Sorry. <laughs> let's go to number five. There is one Holy Spirit. This is a good place for it. Do we have that one? There we are. There is one Holy Spirit, but different works of the Spirit. New birth and the baptism or infilling of the Holy Spirit. Okay. <laughs> you girls are so sharp. Thanks for, thanks for bringing me back to that. So we've talked about it. So there is one Holy Spirit, salvation, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to worksheet truth number six. The book of Acts is a story of the disciples receiving what Jesus received in order to do what Jesus did. The book of Acts, where we're going now, is the story of the disciples receiving what Jesus received in order to do what Jesus did. So remember we said that this is the second work of the Holy Spirit called the baptism or infilling of the Holy Spirit. It is like taking the uh, credit card that you received in the mail and activating it borrowing Robbie Dawkins' example from Sunday morning, activating the very power of the Holy Spirit is a separate experience from getting saved and regenerated by the Holy Spirit. 
So it's a second work, same Holy Spirit. And at this time, the disciples were saved, but Jesus says, there's more. Remember, we started out by saying, there's always more. God always has more and more for us. And here's the more. He says, wait for the Holy Spirit. Don't leave Jerusalem without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I challenge you this morning, don't leave Thursday morning impact without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing gift that Jesus provided the promise of the Father. And you might say, but wait a minute, I thought you said that there's a born-again experience, uh, no born-again experience without the Holy Spirit. But I think I just explained that. You do have the Holy Spirit when you get saved. But there's another activation of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 19, we see Paul finds some disciples or some believers in Jerusalem. Now, remember, this has never been done before. Jesus came, and only those who saw him as the promised Messiah were now what they started calling themselves believers in the way. Isn't that interesting? Believers in the way. Jesus said, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And they began to call themselves believers in the way. And so here's Paul traveling around. And in Ephesus, it says that he found some believers in the way. Jews who believed in, uh, in that Jesus was the promised Messiah. They believed in Jesus. And they were saved. That's how we get saved, right? We believe in Jesus. And so, but Paul asks them, he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, I should say, since you believed. And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, they didn't need to know about the Holy Spirit to get saved. But they needed to know that there was a second experience to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so they hadn't experienced the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a separate gift available to all believers. And I want to emphasize that. You don't have to be this uber, super spiritual Christian to receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. It is for all believers. And we'll go to worksheet question truth number seven. The Holy Spirit is a gift to be received for all who believe. All who believe. Because Jesus said in Mark 16, 17 through 18, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. See, because what happened at the day of Pentecost, and I'm going to read it to you, there was a evidence, an evidence Something that happened that was evidence of this infilling of the Holy Spirit. And it's called speaking in tongues. And it's in Acts 2, 1 through 4, we read the account. So when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And that's very, very key. They were already saved, but now they are becoming empowered. And just as a natural result, they began to speak with other tongues. And this is a tongue that I will qualify in that it was a gift of tongues. And then there is a prayer language of tongues. The gift of tongues is for a purpose. And what happened was, is Peter stood up to preach, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he spoke 
to people in Jerusalem who were there to celebrate Pentecost, but there were many nations represented, many different languages. You could say there was a language barrier. But by the gift of tongues, Peter was able to speak in a language that they could hear and understand, and they're saying, hey, he's just a dumb fisherman. What's up with this guy? Or maybe he's drunk. They didn't know how to explain the power that was uh, being released for them to hear the gospel. And that day, 3,000 people got saved. That's the Holy Spirit's might and power. So the other part of that is a Holy Spirit ability to pray in the Spirit. And I want to just say, you know what? We get a little bit uncomfortable. And, you know, Paul talks a lot about, you know, you got to be careful about those tongues and you shouldn't be speaking in church too loudly and all that. And we get all kind of wrapped in our legalism and then we get scared. But you know what? What Paul said, he said, uh, don't forbid the speaking of tongues, but let's do it in order. That's talking about that public gift. I want to talk to you about your private, personal prayer language of tongues. And it's an amazing gift. And I want to say it's the most natural outflow of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If for you that strikes fear in your heart, I want you to recognize the source of fear. Because I'm, I'm exposing what the devil always does. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to keep you from receiving this amazing gift with the evidence of speaking in tongues. When you don't know what to pray... You can pray in the Holy Spirit. And it is a language that makes no sense to anyone. It bypasses your brain, which is a good thing. Because we try to use our logic and reasoning, and we reason ourselves right out of the power of God. So this is a gift that flows from your spirit. That born-again, regenerated, full of Holy Spirit. Now you are communicating spirit to spirit. The Holy Spirit praying through you, through your spirit. And it is, um, let's just go to uh, worksheet truth number eight. Speaking in tongues is not an evidence of the new birth. You can be saved and never speak in tongues and go to heaven. Praise God. But if you want more, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there is an evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit that can manifest itself in tongues. You don't have to if you don't want to. And there's no pressure, really. But I would be remiss if I didn't offer this to all of our impact ladies here this morning. My own experience with that is I was a good Lutheran pastor's kid. And I, my parents did a good job instilling the love of God in my life. I don't remember a day that I didn't just love Jesus, but about the time when I was 14 years old, I had an awakening, an experience where, though I had just kind of followed after, you know, my mommy and daddy up to that time, believed what they told me, this was a moment that I said, God, I'm all in. This is my decision. And I just fell so in love with Jesus. And I would spend nights, um, always shared a bed with my sister, and I'd wait for her to go to sleep. She always slept before I did. And I would get down on the floor, and I would just start worshiping God. I'm just expressing my heart to him. So, God, I love you so much. And one night, I was just at the end of my own English words. I didn't know how else I could express more to God because I had said everything that was in my heart to say, but I felt like there was so much more. And I remember 
it was happened so naturally. But just remember, I had asked for the Holy Spirit to come empower me, and I had surrendered myself and said, God, I want everything that you have for me. It was that simple. Now, I said, there's nothing against the Lutheran Church. I love my heritage, and I love denominations. But I was not taught about speaking in tongues. I'd never heard anybody doing it. I didn't. I even asked my dad, who was my confirmation teacher, why does Paul say he speaks in tongues more than we all? And we don't even talk about it. My dad kind of went, duh, don't know what to tell you. He says, for some people, it's not for other people. I learned after he passed away, a pastor friend of his came to me and said, did you know? that I prayed with your dad to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, and he was not able to do it. So he came to the conclusion that it's for some people, but it's not for everybody. My Bible says it's for all believers. And so I know he knows now. He's in heaven, and, and he knows now. But we can debunk that. But what happened in that moment for me is that I needed to express my worship to God and it was like a dam broke inside of me. And it was like rivers of living water started pouring out of me, out of my mouth. And it was a language. I had no idea what I was saying. It just poured out, poured out, poured out, poured out, poured out. And it felt like a, such a relief. Everything that had been pent up inside of me, I was now able to express. I had no idea what was going on, but it felt so, so good. It was a release. It was good. But then guess what happened? The devil came and said, oh, what if somebody hears you? You sound so foolish. That doesn't make any sense at all. And fear came, and I stopped. And I did not speak in tongues again for six years. And it took better teaching, people to encourage me, people to lead me to the word of God to show me that that was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. By simply just saying, God, I want everything that you have for me. Come, Holy Spirit. And now I know, I know it is such a natural progression and natural evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and 5 says, For if I pray in a tongue, this is Paul, my spirit prays, but my understanding's unfruitful. My brain says, I don't know what you're doing. If you're a control freak, you're not going to like that. That feels out of control. But you know what? You're not out of control. You're under spirit control. And you are praying the absolute perfect will of God, coming straight from the throne room, praying through you. One night I was awakened, and I just had the sense, pray, pray, pray. Pray for your family. We were thousands of miles away at that time. We lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I got up, and I prayed, and I prayed in tongues because I didn't know how to pray. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, and then it was like, okay. I can go back to bed now. Found out that that same night, that very time when God had woken me up to pray, my family, who we still had young kids in the family, my, my mom and dad had taken everybody camping in the UP, and a tornado ripped through the campground where they were. And there were trees that fell all around them, but they were fine. I believe that the Holy Spirit uses this as a gift. And it's also a mighty, mighty weapon, because you are praying the express heart of God in line with this will. So if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I'll also pray with my understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. In English, 
in a language in English. It's, to me, it's just such a beautiful flow, and it's a wonderful thing. Don't let the devil steal, kill, and destroy that gift from every believer in this room. We'll end with worksheet truth number nine. There's two functions of speaking in tongues. The Bible says that it personally edifies you. It builds you up in your inner being. And then the second one was that public exhortation, where if it's tongues are spoken to, say, in a church service, Paul says, that doesn't do anybody any good unless somebody interprets it in English. So there's a, there's a time and a place for that gift, but I believe every believer, according to what Jesus said, has that ability with the baptism of the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues and pray in another language. Can we pray? Father God, we've talked about a lot of information. We've seen truth in your word. And I believe that you will bring revelation to your word right now. And I'm just praying over every woman in this room that no matter what the past has taught them or maybe what experiences have shown them, I was warned by well-meaning, loving Christian people that if you get into that Holy Spirit stuff and start speaking in tongues, you're going to get in trouble. But Jesus, you said that we can receive this to be empowered, and that's why the devil hates it so much. So we go push past. We're going to lay aside some of those negative things, and we're just going to look full into your word to see what this is and that it is for each and every one of us. And so, Father, I just pray right now that as we discuss the questions, and we're going to end in a prayer to give that opportunity before we're dismissed but, Lord, that you are already at work in our hearts, revealing, drawing, empowering, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.